penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. This is precisely why we can never take a vacation. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're out of it for a little while, and, well, everything goes to hell, basically. <laughs> we will talk about it. We are back. Yes, Rebel Force Radio back in your earbuds, in your car, wherever you are listening. That's where we are. If you're within the sound of our voices, welcome. Glad to be back with you. After our spring break, are we too old, Jimmy Mac, to uh, go on spring break? I guess not, because we did. Yeah. You know, I don't think you ever outgrow spring break, you know? It's, right. uh, it's a time of rebirth, mm-hmm. uh, rejuvenation, spiritually and physically. So, uh, you know, uh, I did some statistics, and I realized between January 15th and March 15th, I had either produced or been a part of almost 60 podcasts during that two-month period. Wow. Oh, Jimmy Mac. So I knew it was time for a break. Along with spearheading the Save the Clone Wars campaign, which is still continuing. Spearheading single-handedly. Carrying. You know, single-handedly at first. Back in the old chicken little days. But I got to tell you, once this thing really blew up and people are like, oh, my God, he was right. Um did the support just spill out uh, more than I could have ever imagined? Uh, there was a Save the Clone Wars Twitter protest a couple Saturdays ago, generating 7,000 tweets, mm-hmm. and um, celebrities jumped on board. Uh, the outpouring has been really fantastic. And so uh, that's something we're going to talk to uh, Dave Filoni about. That's right. We had to reschedule him. It's a little later than we wanted to be, but Dave Filoni, supervising director of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, will be joining us for an exclusive, Jason, an exclusive. I hear you. Interview with us. It's his first time to uh, be talking publicly since uh, we learned the news about uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars winding down. We'll talk to Dave about that. We'll talk about the bonus content. We'll talk about the end of season five, the Darth Maul Death Watch arcs, and the fate of Ahsoka Tano, and a lot more as he will be joining us. And always very considerate and very generous with his time. Jason, unfortunately, you weren't able to join us as we recorded this conversation just a few hours ago. Here it is, Dave Filoni on Rebel Force Radio. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Rebel Force Radio. There you are. Dave. 
Dave Filoni on the phone. Where's the other one? Uh, he's uh, he's missing in action tonight. You know, Jason Swank has uh, got a lot of responsibilities as one of the top marketing wizards behind the Cleveland theatrical scene. And uh, so now it, I know. I mean, I feel bad though. Should I mean, should we reschedule so you can both be there? <sighs> I don't. I don't think so. We've had to reschedule this one about a hundred times. I know. So. I feel bad. I know. I mean, I've been wanting to do it. So uh, I just, you know, Swank. He's he's, uh, he's missing out again. <laughs> Jason Hill, it's like that premiere. He's with us in spirit. He's with us in spirit. Is but, that right? But at least we have. <laughs> at least we have few a few members of the Wolf Pack here for a proper reunion. So let me make it official here. You know, we have to do that. There it is. There we go. We're one more. We've we've added a member. So we've heard Bonnie Burton now a member yeah, of the Bonnie's pack. Bonnie's now a member. Yeah. So uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? It all happened at a big Clone Wars screening over at the Presidio not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I really have to credit my wife with that one because, I mean, obviously I love Bonnie, and Bonnie's you know always been a, a great part of Lucasfilm and and someone to talk to uh, you know about Star Wars and. When you know she was no longer you're with us, it was it was sad for me because I, I think she's such a talented person and uh, it's so great with the fans in general. And you know, Anne pointed out that we really didn't have a uh, a uh, female member of the Wolf Pack, and she suggested, "What about Bonnie?" And thought Bonnie made a great addition. And I thought, "Well, there, it's right in front of me. Of course, that's that's obvious." And you know, much like Steve Sansweet, who once he was no longer with Lucasfilm anymore, the possibility opened up for him to be, become a part of uh, our, our wolf pack. And so I think that Bonnie makes a great addition and you know, someone that uh, we can be proud of having a, a member of the pack. So, yeah, it was exciting. And she came out to accept her, uh, her, her badge, even though she was really sick that night. And, uh, you know, she <laughs> took a taxi. I felt so bad. But she was so glad, I think, to be there and you know, I want to make sure that the fans saw her get recognized that way. And, uh, you know, it's a fun thing I get to do to recognize you guys that are all a part of fandom and making, you know, really keeping Star Wars alive in, in many, many ways, which is why I think it's persevered uh, unlike any other franchise, really, when you look at it. Yeah, so true. So true. So we're happy to have Bonnie on board. And uh, I appreciate what you say about fandom in general, Dave. And, uh, you know, you guys definitely have been carrying the torch for star Wars now for the last, uh, geez, well, five seasons of the show. And in uh, a long time, a yeah. long time, a long <laughs> time. And so let's just get down to business. Um, the biggest question on the minds of star Wars fans everywhere is how do you feel now that it's over the Pittsburgh Penguins historic 15 game winning streak is over with a four to one loss to the Buffalo Sabres. How do you feel? Well, it was inevitable, right? Like all, like all good things, I guess it must come to an end. Uh, I, I'm particularly pleased that they won more games in that winning streak than the Blackhawks did consecutively, even though the Blackhawks went undefeated uh, longer. But you and I have something to crow about this year. I'm hoping for an eventual rematch of the 92 Stanley Cup with uh, the same outcome would be uh, spectacular. Uh, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you noting that we have a big game, uh, against the Rangers actually. So yes, that'll be a, a good one tonight. So uh, we'll hurry up. Already started. We'll hurry up and get you out of here. We'll get you out of here. No, in time no, don't the- worry. I'm here for you guys. Uh, I, I appreciate you getting the hockey in there. 
I really do. Well, but I told uh, yeah, no, we, we I, I imagine what you're alluding to is actually the the end of of Clone Wars. Yes, yes. As it, it were. And, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously that is it is the big news here, you know, after mm-hmm. after uh five very successful seasons, Star Wars the Clone Wars is winding down and wrapping up and Fans were informed of this news via video from from you a few weeks ago at StarWars.com. Obviously, obviously we know this was not your decision. And from what we understand about the way the production works on the show, there were many more seasons planned or in various levels of production. And unfortunately, these seasons will not be produced. But, 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 as you revealed in your video, some stories are going to be available as, quote, bonus content so fans mm-hmm. have been speculating about the nature of this bonus content and <laughs> have many questions can you give us any more info about this content like when will it be coming out how will it be released you know no, i can't really give particulars yet um all i can say is that it's i'm very excited about the stuff that we're doing it really is and i say this all the time but it's it's really visually stunning and i think that knowing that you know these will be among the last stories that you know, the fans of Clone Wars get to see that we all understand the the importance of them and want them to be of a high quality. And, you know, it, it, it's always, it was always going to be a challenging thing. I used to talk about it with my crew, which was, it was, it was very uncommon for an animated series like Clone Wars to run as long as it had. I mean, and of course we had to plan on future seasons because we all wanted to keep it going and we couldn't just stop and wait. You know, we always had to be ahead of the game. And in a lot of ways, I just think it all somehow fits very nicely with the lore of what Star Wars is all about, which is, you know, we always knew as kids growing up with Star Wars that there were a lot more stories that we hadn't seen yet. We knew that there were stories about... Anakin Skywalker and how he felt of the dark side that we hadn't seen. We always heard these rumors and very cryptic notions that there were an episode seven, eight, and nine planned at one point, and you could debate what those would have been about, you know. Um, and, and so now with Clone Wars, it's like I think it's very fitting for people to say, "But wait, there was more, and I want to see it," you know. And and I very much appreciate that. I, I think that you know the entire time that I've been doing this. I think there was some notion by a lot of people to think, well, of course this was going to be successful because it's just labeled Star Wars. And I actually disagree with that. I, I don't think that <clears throat> Star Wars fans just accept anything. I think they demand a very high quality. I think they want to see the effort. They want to see the artistry on screen. And they will let you know if they don't think what you're doing is you know, up to up to the standards which they believe the storytelling should be. So we always challenged ourselves to make the stories better and better as we went along. And I think that what ground we gained with the fans, we really earned. I mean, when you look at Ahsoka and you see the evolution of her character from season one to season five, and you see the change in her and the attitude and the performance by Ashley, it really symbolizes the kind of change and evolution of the entire series. And it's something that I look back on and, and, and think, wow, that really, really worked. And to, you know, to know that the end of the show now, in a lot of people's minds will always be when Ahsoka descends that staircase and, and goes off on her own, I think is very appropriate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be hard to to think of a better way to end the show. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. It's, it's interesting to me because a lot of fans, I've seen some fans say, well, is there going to be a proper ending? And I, and I don't quite understand what they mean by a proper ending because 
some people seem to imply what happens to Ahsoka. And I'm like, well, what do you mean that she dies? I don't understand because obviously she doesn't die, you know, during the Clone Wars. Like that doesn't happen. So the ending for her at that point is that she has survived and she has lived. And there are actually more stories to tell, hopefully, in, in the future, you know. And I think that that's something that we didn't know when we went into this. And I think the character earned that right to to continue on. And, you know, so I think what I get out of it mainly is that here we are at a time with this series when obviously Lucasfilm itself is going through a lot of change and there's a lot of things happening and our show has always been forging ahead and, and I think getting stronger and stronger. And I mean, I'm never glad it's over just because I love coming to work and working with the people I get to work with. I mean, that's always been the number one thing for me. My crew is an exceptional crew of talented people and we all love hanging out with each other. We all love making these stories together. We all get along in a way that I think is rare in a workplace. But at the same time, I think we all recognized that we got to be a part of this, that that was really exciting and that the story is kind of hit a point now where people like it and it's, it's found an ending with Ahsoka to a large degree and that, Star Wars is now going to continue on, you know, in a lot of new ways with Disney as its new, you know, creator uh, working with Lucasfilm, the things are going to be different. And I, I think we have our proper place here for an ending at this moment in time for fans to say, hey, we like that and we want more, I think is a, a real great credit to our crew and it's a great credit to George and, and wanting to make this series and pass 100 episodes like he always planned. And I think it's better that we go out with people saying, I want more of this, than people saying, All right, okay, I'm done with that, I'm ready for episode right. seven. Yeah. Which is where we all will be eventually. You know? so, and, and it's nice to know that for the, the people that love the show, that there will be some more stories that they get to see, and you know, we're trying to make sure those stories really count and... Um, you know, it's 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 an exciting time, but is every is everything answered and everything wrapped up and put in a bow? No, you know, I won't lie to you. It's not. I mean, I don't come on here and just tell you guys what you want to hear. And I, I like to think that I'm always honest with you guys as much as I can answer anything. And you know, some of it I guess will remind the older the older folks like myself of when they were a kid and watched Robotech, and we never understood what happened to Rick Hunter. He never came back from trying to find the, the Robotech masters, but there's something interesting about that and the aspects of the story that are unfinished seeming. Mm -hmm. It just means that the story is actually continuing. And, you know, hopefully we, we get to see that story continue at one point in, in one time. And, you know, I honestly hope <laughs> I get to be a part of a lot of these stories as they continue uh, whatever form they take in the future. Oh, well, there's no question we would love to see you back involved should the Clone Wars come back. But right now, I think we're looking ahead at this bonus content. And mm -hmm. uh, you can't tell us when it's going to be released or how it's going to be released, correct? Well, it'll be an animated show. Okay. So far, <laughs> so good. Sorry. But can you I tell us? Me. Try to bring some levity for your your discussion. <laughs> but yeah. Well, we can always like we can always count on you for that. But um, can you tell <laughs> yeah. us how much bonus content is planned for release? No, not at this point. No, I mean we are we are working on it, and uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll see what, what surprises are in store for you as we move ahead. I mean, it's kind of an interesting time because we have the, the things that we have now, it, it's very much what we have and I don't want to, you know, let certain things out too soon and reveal too many things too quickly. And I think that there, there'll be a time and a place for everything is there always, <laughs> there always seems to be as I've been on this show and, um, you know, I've learned to trust that and let this information reach you guys as it needs to for its, you know, it's the maximum effectiveness. Got it. I got it. Well, let's talk about what you have revealed about the bonus content, specifically that great clip you showed featuring Mm -hmm. what we are assuming is a precursor to order 66. And last time we had you on the show, we wanted to talk a little bit about order 66, but it was too soon. And so (laughs) now that, now that that clip has been revealed, um, maybe you can uh, fill us in a little bit as, as to what that how that fits into the big picture of order 66 well again like <laughs> it's so sad but i don't want to say because i don't want to give away you know a lot of a lot of the plot line that that's being unfolded there i think that uh i selected you know all the clips that get selected i actually select and you know i have certain aims with each of them to show you guys certain things and to see what you can glean from them. And I think in that case, I wanted to hint at this uh, dilemma with an order 66, uh, like execution and also to, to, you know, to show trench Mm -hmm. and that he's a survivor. So there are, there are little, little things in there. There are a couple of new types of battle droids that are, that actually appeared in that episode as well. in that little clip. So, you know, I, again, I don't want to reveal too much, except that it it will. I, I said that we're going to get to some of the big questions that are still lingering in the Clone Wars, and I have to think that Order sixty six is one of them. A lot of people wonder, well, how does that work, and how to, you know, how was that implemented, and how how does that function? And there are a lot of theories, and you know, I would like to think that we're going to go a long way to answering a lot of those questions with uh, the stories that you're going to see, part of the stories you're going to see coming up. You know, Order 66 itself, when it was first revealed in Revenge of the Sith, was such a shocker because how how could these loyal soldiers just turn on their generals just like that and take them out? You know, isn't there some sense of personal loyalty that goes beyond listening to orders? And now... After five seasons of the Clone Wars and being introduced to characters like Captain Rex, who is always there, who always has your back, whose loyalty is unquestionable, it makes it even harder to to accept Order 66 sometimes. And that's how I feel when I put the Clone Wars in the context of the grand scheme of the Star Wars saga. You've given these clone troopers so much personality and so much character that it's even harder to accept when they finally do turn on their Jedi generals in Revenge of the Sith. I know. I know. It's good, huh? (laughs) It's a good problem to have. I mean, I have to say, in story, that's a good problem to have because you you sit there and you say to me that that makes it so challenging for you, which, frankly, doesn't make it that much more diabolical by Sidious, and it makes it that much more believable, this great deception that he Mm. planned to, you know, deceive the Jedi. So, I mean, yeah, it's... uh, 
It's funny. I always look forward to coming and talking to you guys. I'm going to speak as if Swank is still here in spirit, so I'll use a plural. But I always like talking to you guys, and I always, you know, I always regret the fact that I can't really go into greater detail on what we're talking about at the moment. What we should do is I should come on and you should ask me the questions you asked me last time because we've probably gotten to the point where I can answer those questions now. <laughs> this is true. But, uh, it, yeah, I think you're, you're pointing out some really great questions and you're pointing out some really great problems or what would seem like problems. And I think part of our responsibility in telling these stories, especially in the Clone Wars era, is to, you know, solve these problems and answer these questions. And uh, it wasn't easy, but, you know, as always, I had the guidance of, uh, you know, the Jedi Master, uh, George, there when we created these stories. And, you know, they were motivated by him. And, uh, you know, I think that that's why people be very satisfied with uh, the answers they're going to get in the upcoming stories. So, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, I want to tell you some other stuff. I wonder if Tracy will let me, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Let's keep going and see if we get out of the rest of your questions, and then maybe I'll drop a little something later. We'll see. Ooh. It's good talking to you. I have to say, you know, it's... Uh, I know I haven't been out saying as much lately and I'm usually very uh, vocal and I try to be as accessible as possible and obviously there's been a lot of transition going on and you know I, I really love coming on here and talking to you guys it's very important to me and it's always been important to me and uh, you know I think of my beginning introduction always with the fans it's, it's kind of starting in a lot of ways with you know coming on and doing the force cast with you guys and uh, what show is it? You know, I was what show that was, was that? That, that? That was your previous show. Oh, that one. Yeah, right. right. Not, not as you call it, Rebel Forces Radio. Well, Rebel Forces Radio. That's the new <laughs> one. That's the one I'm on now. But, but it's it's only um, one force. It's only one force. It's not a it's Rebel Force Radio. Yeah, actually, uh, when you... when You, you and I keep going over this one. Yeah, yeah. When uh, you inducted Bonnie into the... Um, into the wolf pack, you made that gaff, uh -oh. and I actually have uh, recorded proof of that. In my multiple growing man wolf pack, which is basically me, Jason and Jimmy from uh, Rebel Forces Radio and Steve Stansweet. There you go, Rebel Forces. I'm just a plural guy. <laughs> Everything's I in, uh, multiple. I deal in many forces. It's, it's, it's like <laughs> Rebel Force Radio. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. you know, think of that line. You know, I'm doing my best with that one. I'm doing my best. Thank you. Think of that line that Vader says, you know, a, a small rebel force has penetrated the shield on Endor. You know, that oh, line. I yeah, see. Yeah. Is that where it comes from? That's where it comes from. We included in our show oh. open, too, just to get everyone on the right level. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, at any rate, and I, I, will, I will remember that now. But, um, yeah, I, I love coming on and, and talking to you guys about Star Wars. It's always been important to me to be on here talking to you guys. And uh, so... You know, and, I and it's say something. Thank you, you, because I've been flattered. You've been so interested in everything we've been doing. Stop. And I appreciate that. Stop it. So. You're, you're, you're very humble, but uh, we're the ones who are humbled by uh, the fact that you've made yourself so accessible. It's been an unprecedented time for Star Wars fans as far as accessibility, as far as being able to pull back the curtain and look behind the scenes. We've always tried to 
make that available to fans here on Rebel Force Radio. Oh, yeah. and, and, and we couldn't ever come close to doing that without contributions from people like you. Tracy Canobio behind the scenes at Lucasfilm. I don't say enough awesome things about her. She's the hardest working woman in Star Wars. Uh, Lynn Hale, uh, John Singh, Josh Cushions. I'm just thinking about people from all over the years. Um, sure. These guys have all made it possible for us to, like I said, pull that curtain back and no, make the fans part of the process. Process. And you guys have always been just great about including us as part of the family. And like I said, something we've never taken for granted, something we appreciate from the bottom of our hearts. And just, you know, I, I was going to save this for the end, damn it. But <laughs> you, you got it all out of me. I'm gushing now. So uh, let's get back to bonus content. <laughs> and yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead. as far as that Order 66 clip, um, that's typically what the fans are referring to that clip as. Um, there is a glimpse of a Jedi we've never seen before. And it's a female Jedi who has this long stringy hair. And I can't help but wonder if that design was based on a design for um, what, what would be known as a Sith witch. I think Ian McCaig might have done it. I might have seen it in one of the art of prequel books. Um, am I anywhere close to the source here? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Very good. Dead on. Yeah. <laughs> we were in a story meeting, you know, with George, and um, we wanted to do some new Jedi you know, that we had never seen before. And I said, well, George, how about, you know, this Sith Witch concept here? I always liked that design. I think we could do something now because we've done Kit Fisto's tentacles and they move. And, you know, maybe we, that would be really neat. And they could move like they're underwater, but they wouldn't be underwater. And, you know, and then, so that that seemed like a great idea. So we, then we wound up with two of them, <laughs> which was, you know, that's intense for production, but we did it. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just one example of how, you know, I really just love using stuff that's, that's been before. As much as I have amazing designers on staff, um, you know, there is such a legacy of beautiful design work that's been done uh, for Star Wars for Years and years and years. So uh, I, I try to look at it as much as I can on and off. And if I have some time in my office, I'll just page through a book of old Ralph McQuarrie stuff even. And, you know, you see stuff all the time. And then you're in a story meeting and you go, oh, I know what would work. That would work great for this, you know. And something I, I really learned from George is, is how to create these stories. It's almost like there's this language that exists for it out of all the designs he's had done over all the years and in his memory these things in some way are all you know living out in that galaxy far far away and then every now and then they get called upon to end up on screen and that's very much what happened in the case of uh, that jedi it's so cool that you're able to canonize concept arts and, and so wh what do you think about that announcement we haven't talked about this yet on the show we're going to report it later but uh what about the the fact that Dark Horse is coming out with a mini series based on I don't know if you've heard of this it's going to be based on George Lucas's original 1974 rough draft for Star yeah. Wars featuring characters like Deke Starkiller and right. uh, yeah. you know uh, Han Solo is a green skinned scaly alien um have you heard about this and what do you think about it Oh it's wild yeah, yeah. I think you know it's it's really interesting and uh you know, at the point that they started to make action figures of uh, those original Ralph McQuarrie concepts as well, I mean, it's kind of like that's the depth 
to which I think fans of Star Wars go. They're, they love what's in the movies. They love what's in the animated series and the comic books. and the, I mean, anything, right? Video games. They love it all. And then so much so that we, we discover what almost became. Not even, you know, what is actually there, but things that almost were. And then we go, well, that was cool, too. Hey, I would read that. And I think, you know, Randy Stradley at Dark Horse is right on the money, I mean, because there is probably, I would think it's something more that the older fans know about and less the prequel era. But you never know, I mean, because people get into Star Wars from many different directions and then, then they just fall in love with all of it like you and I did as kids. And, you know, you find out about these old designs and you see at one point Luke Skywalker was a girl and you're like, what was that about? Mm. And, you know, you just keep learning more about it and... I have to think in some way that has lent to its durability and its lasting quality that Star Wars has, that there's such dimension and depth to all of it, just even in design, that you can go back and, you know, create a whole story and comic out of a what basically became just an inspirational story. And it starts to remind you a bit of how, you know, Christopher Tolkien would take his father's notes and you know, arrange them into stories and pieces of stories. And he always prefaced it by saying, well, okay, I don't know if this was ever meant to get out, but here is a story that my father wrote that explains, you know, how Gladriel wound up, you know, in La Florida and then how all these different stories and the different versions of stories. And it's interesting because it's a look into how someone like George thought and how they created what eventually became Star Wars. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's really great they're getting an opportunity to do that. Yeah, and it's just, it speaks volumes about the profound effect the actual source material has, because here what we're dealing with are concepts that were thrown away. And, mm-hmm. and they find new life here all these years later as comic right. books or characters on Star Wars, The Clone Wars, or action figures, you name it. So it just really speaks in a very profound way about how strong the material is, even in its, 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 its primitive stage, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So something else we've been speculating a lot about because we've been seeing clips of this particular arc going all the way back to star Wars weekends, mm-hmm. 2012 is the, the arc featuring Clovis and Padme mm-hmm. and Embo snowboarding. Um, yeah. Is, can you tell us if that's going to be part of the bonus content plan for release? Um, I think I can. I mean, I think that that's kind of um, a, a bit more obvious is that, you know, those are episodes that we had slated for release in season five initially. And then we ended up moving some things around and ended up uh, bumping them till later. So sometimes that happens. And, you know, that's what happens when you have a wealth of material, frankly, is that, you can, you know, just take some things and say, well, let's put this on ahead of this and, and rearrange this a little bit. And it just worked out, I think, better for us to do that. And, and uh, it, it will be exciting, though, I think, when everybody finally gets to see that. I know Cat Taper will be really happy. <laughs> yeah, have- of course. Padme presence back out there. So uh, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also um, I didn't see this particular clip Mm -hmm. at celebration, but I think it's part of the Clovis arc. Uh, There's a glimpse of a poster featuring Ben Quadineros. Is, is, (laughs) Is that actually part of the Clovis arc? 
will we actually see Ben Quadineros in, in some way, shape, or form in Clone Wars? Well, in some way, shape, or form, in a limited shape or form. I mean, he's a pretty limited shape to begin with, right. so there's not much, not many directions you can go True. Uh, from his limited shape. But uh, there might be that small nod uh, to fans that will still get its appearance. I'm sure now that some people are questioning it, you know, like maybe they just love Ben Cordonero so much <laughs> sure. him, that they think they saw this and it doesn't really exist, that they're that they had inspired in themselves a, 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 a quadrallucination of some kind. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, I see. You know? Jedi mind it tricks. It would be even funnier now. I hate to say it, but you do inspire uh, in me some, you know, I guess, inspiration of the dark side. If I went in and removed it, so as if it never existed now, what, wow, what would that do? That would be fascinating. <laughs> well, you could always just say it was a, a Jedi mind trick and, uh, right, and, and uh, yeah. you know, quote Obi-Wan. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure that level of joke from me, would, that would be something they'd be thrilled to give me the budget for. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely, go ahead. No, what, it's just for fun? Sure. sure it <laughs> sounds like a worthwhile idea just for a handful of shots to go in there. No. <laughs> <laughs> just wave your hand and say the Force has a strong effect on the weak mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Too funny, too funny. And, uh, oh, before we leave uh, the, the whole idea of Order 66, um, kind of uh, ironic or humorous or weird, um, there was a rap party for the Clone Wars a few weeks ago, and uh, and uh, everyone went out for a oh, post-meal yeah. at uh, In-N-Out Burger, and uh, the, the order on the receipt was Order 66, and the final bill was for 66 bucks. What does that tell yeah. you? The force has a that, mysterious way. Is that right? With the final bill for sixty-six dollars, yeah. I didn't see that part. Yeah. And some change. I have the receipt. <laughs> they gave you the receipt. I, still, I have it. I kept it. <laughs> I have the receipt that says Order sixty-six on it, um, and I, I plan on making it one of the lasting relics of the animation division. So I'm going to go go look and see if it actually says sixty-six dollars on it. But yeah, it was. Um, you know, Eckstein there, she loves her in and out. So afterward, uh, me and the, and the voice acting team and a friend, we, we went out to, uh, you know, get our, get our burgers. Yeah. And when the guy said, here, your order number 66, we all kind of froze. <laughs> I, I don't think that guy had any clue the significance <laughs> of what he had done. You know, I don't think that he gathered at all <laughs> what, what he had just said to us. And how appropriate it was, but uh, you know, it's just—it's funny how stuff like that happens, right? And uh, it was a, it was a great moment to to be with my friends there, and and uh, you know, I, I just thought that was great, so I kept it. <laughs> it's a great souvenir. It is. It really is. And uh, before we start getting into uh, the end of season five, um, mm-hmm. I want to look ahead into the future a little bit, and. A lot of fans have been wondering because, you know, we've gotten to know you over the course of the last five, six years. Um, 
and we're very fond of you and the crew, and, and we think you guys are all very talented people, and, and we know that uh, a lot, you know, I mean, this is, this is a profession. This is a, a job, and, and you guys work in an industry where it's not uncommon to work on one project and move on to the next, and it's a, no small testament to, the, to you guys that you've had five very successful seasons, and, and a lot of the crew has now gone off in their own direction, but I'm just wondering if, if you or any of the Clone Wars crew will continue to work in Star Wars animation in the future? Well, yeah, I mean, that's my plan. Good. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I can say, and, and it's okay, because Tracy will stop me otherwise, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously important to me, and I've had a, a, a very great time uh, working here, and I, it's, you know, I've really helped build the animation division from when I got here, and there were only a handful of people and you are right. It's a function of our industry. It's not my favorite part that you, you can luckily grow things and, and bring on many talented people, but there become times when you have to shrink things as well. And, you know, we're just, we happen to be in one of those times right now. Um, but it just, that just paves the way, hopefully, for new things and new creativity in the future. And um, at, at this point, I'm involved in some early uh, production discussions and uh, exploration of, you know, what we'll be doing with animation and Star Wars in the future, which is really exciting for me. And, um, you know, I have some uh, friendly faces around me, of course, that are, that are helping me uh, on, on, on the, the project. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a transition time, as I've said before. And, and I think it, you know, will lead to an exciting time and um, hopefully I'll, I'll see things grow again. Um, it's just, it is the way of things, and it's, it, I know that, it, you know, many, I think, different businesses go through it, but there was a purposefulness to, you know, my education by George, I believe. It wasn't just, uh, here, Dave, I'll spend, you know, eight years working with you on this, and then adios. There was a, a method to it to say, this is how I do things, and I want you to clearly understand this so when you make these episodes, they'll be as, uh, you know, I envision them to be. And I'm, I'm speaking, of course, of George. And I think what's great about George is that there is this sense and it, it, that all begins with, with Kathy Kennedy that, you know, Star Wars is something that, that we understand, that, that we feel great responsibility for, and that we want to make sure that we get it right uh, and that things are, as exciting as in, as in, as inspired as as fans have come to know it, and I mean, you can see movements of this slowly throughout the company. You know, when they bring on J.J. Abrams to direct Episode Seven, you see a move, and there's a person that obviously has spoken at length about how much he loves Star Wars prior to ever being involved with now Star Wars. So, I, I can I can really imagine his excitement. I mean, it's it's on another level from what I got to experience because he's actually making one of the movies, which is I think amazing. But um, you know, when I got hired to come out to Lucasfilm, it's a an amazing moment and it's an inspiring moment and it's it's a moment of tremendous responsibility. So, um, you know, it it means a lot. To me, that 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 fans would, uh, you know, want me would hope for me to be involved in the future of the company, and uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I really do, and I know my crew definitely appreciates uh, the response that they've gotten from fans about the Clone Wars. I mean, we've seen it 
online everywhere uh you know that we've seen the rallying cry and 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 the save the clone wars and the petitions and uh, many of the letters that have come in and and we all really appreciate that you know because it's it w- it would have been something for them to say and the Clone Wars is over. Oh, well, thank goodness for that. I mean, <laughs> that would have been a totally different experience. And, you know, but I've, I've just always had this idea about the whole thing here, which is I wouldn't, I wouldn't have faulted fans for that either, you know, um, because we, we get to make this because of their interest, really. You know, they, they love it, and that's why we got to be here so long doing it. And I think that when you look at it and you step back, like I said, it's better to have people wanting more and luckily they'll get some more and, and then that will be over and we can all be ready for the next step for Star Wars, this next moment that's going to happen. And I think that that will be, that excitement will overtake people as it comes. Right now it's the unknown. And I think that people get worried by the unknown, I guess, and they, because things have always been a certain way. But if Star Wars, you know, teaches you anything, it's that things change and evolve over time, and you have to kind of grow into the person you're going to become and the experiences you're going to have. And, um, you know, but it 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 was a, a great time for my crew and I, and and I just I did want to make sure I said that we appreciate the outpouring from fans absolutely, and it wasn't lost on us. And, um, you know, I think it's really something, especially around the character of Soka. I saw so many. Um, comments to the effect of I didn't like this character when she first showed up and now I love her please don't make her go you know I was at a screening at LDAC where we showed the episodes to fans and when she decided to walk away they all applauded her decision you know that they were all on her side of it and that was just amazing to me and so it's been a great experience and I am I am still here experiencing it. So yes, well, we're happy <laughs> to hear that. that. An- I hope that answers your question. Oh my God, that's such great, ramble, so. such great news. As a fan, I feel incredibly optimistic about the future of Star Wars animation, knowing that as of today, you're telling us you will be remaining involved with it because, like you said, you have that pedigree that education at the feet of the master himself george lucas that's not lost on fans we appreciate that and knowing that you have been going through this education for all this time so he could pass it on essentially to you as his hand-picked protege that's what gives future star wars animation projects an air of legitimacy in my mind knowing that that you're planning on being involved. So very excited about that. And also very excited to hear that the outpouring of fan support has Mm -hmm. been significant. You guys have been able to see it physically, you know, see the tangible evidence of our support and our love for star Wars, the clone wars, the, um, the save the clone wars, uh, effort is something that I have had a a major role in spearheading. And Mm. I, and I, I feel just so proud of fandom for being there to support you guys, after all the wonderful work and great storytelling you've provided us with over the years. So that is great oh, news. I'm, I'm very pumped up and excited to hear about that. Yeah. So that's the future of Star Wars animation. Let's talk a little bit about the past. The past yeah, uh, season. Uh, one, one more comment on that. Oh, sure. I, I think that I, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't want to be alluding that you know, I learned so much from George, but you have to understand, too, that I think that I'm just the most out front person with it that I'm 
I get talked to a lot because I, I have this show and I'm in the press and I do those things for the company. But that type of legacy is really throughout Lucasfilm, you know, and, and many people that have been here. When you look at Lynn Hale, I mean, she's a tremendous legacy to the company. You know, Joel, you know, I can go on and on. Um, Athena, one of my producers, has been here forever. You find people throughout this company that have been here, and they've been here through, you know, upturns and and downturns. And I think that's what I'm getting at. It's not just about any one person or any one division. It's about, you know, just finding a way to move forward and I think that that's been probably the biggest challenge is, is how do we move forward and and make sure that we're going to do things the right way. And, you know, I think that that's all finding it, 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 its feet now. And, and again, the, the key component there for me is having, you know, Kathy um, up above us now and, and, you know, really leading us into this new era for Lucasfilm. So it's, it's, it's a tremendous group effort as well from everyone at Lucasfilm. As Star Wars fans... I just wanted to say that. Oh, I'm glad you did, because as Star Wars fans, we appreciate the culture and the integrity of Lucasfilm as it's been creating Star Wars for these decades now, Mm -hmm. and that's something that we're looking for continuity in as we move forward under the Disney umbrella. And uh, and the names you mentioned, all very significant players in that culture, in the integrity of Star Wars. And that's important to us as fans to know that it will be continuing forward with Disney. So that's great news. Mm -hmm. So Darth Maul, Death Watch, (laughs) it all hits the fan in an incredible story arc. Uh, The penultimate story arc of season five of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Uh, Lots of big shockers, lots of final fates for characters. Many characters died in this arc. No, how about that? Pre Vizsla, (laughs) Savage Opress. The Duchess Satine. How hard is it for you, Dave, as, 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 a, as, as someone who is involved in the creative process, to kill off these characters you spent so much time developing and nurturing? Or is it, is, it, is, it, is it hard for you, or is it almost a relief because you were able to tell the story in full? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of both, but mainly it's, it always happens, I think, at the right time. I mean, I think the only time we killed a character that I thought, uh... I wish we hadn't done that, was uh, Stila from the opener on Onderon. Really? By the end of it, she was really a great character, and I really liked her, and I thought, I wish she didn't have to go because I'd like to tell more stories with that character, and Don did such a great job portraying her, but you know that was the way that we planned it, and we had to follow through. So, But with Satine and Pre Vizsla, all these characters, Savage, There were many factors that just pointed to this has to be the end for these characters. We wanted some resolution with the teen, and we wanted to kind of bring Mandalore all the way around and watch its, you know, pacifism collapse uh, underneath it and and see the kind of terrible things that could be brewing underneath. We wanted to, you know, once we decided to bring Sidious in, we didn't really see any way that you could have a fight with Sidious and have everybody survive. We and and we weren't going to kill off Maul because we just resurrected him, <laughs> so that wasn't going to happen. And so, unfortunately for our friend Savage, he drew the the short, uh, you know, horn as it was and, and got killed. So, 
you know, it's just a lot. The only thing I regret is it's a lot of information to get into these episodes. And it all happens pretty fast, but I think in a lot of ways that fits with Star Wars' faster, more intense attitude. And uh, there, there are some of our very best episodes. When the doors open and you see this massive Mandalorian melee happening, it's, I think it's really a, a great shot and uh, wonderfully executed. So, Brilliant. you know, it, it's everything that we wanted it to be in the end. Well, quite honestly, growing up, being a huge fan of Boba Fett, like most Star Wars fans are, we've always wanted to see him do something more than just stand around and look menacing. He's got this, <laughs> this, this arsenal that he wears as armor. And so we finally got some taste of it in episode two with uh, seeing Jango Fett in action. But Mm -hmm. the way you guys presented it with Death Watch splintering in two and and fights in the sky with Mandos, I I really think that you provided a fulfillment of many things on my wish list as a Star Wars fan as far as seeing Boba Fett or Mandalorian in battle. A question I have for you is this. That jetpack, the way it works, really, really. Now, see, this is God. Uh, If somebody writes me a letter and says, oh, you're so Star Trek-y asking this question. But it came up on the show, and uh, I just wanted to float this by you because those jetpacks are so maneuverable, and it almost seems like they can hover in the sky with them and then jet off. I, physically, I, I just don't see how it's possible. So I always assume maybe there was a, a tank of helium in there to help them float along, and, <laughs> and then the jets would maneuver them through the sky. I'm overthinking this, I know. Probably, yes. <laughs> but, you know, to, to help you with this, I mean, it's just many, many, many things come up like this all the time. Uh, Killian Plunkett drives me crazy with these kind of questions. He's just always famous for wanting to know what kind of material they're burning on any given planet, um, <laughs> which is fine. You know, so, you know, offhand, I, I'll be honest with you. I was never really concerned about how they're levitating. I think the jetpack must have a decent amount of thrust to keep them up there. But at the same time, I would say in a world of kind of anti-grav speeders that you could imagine there's, Maybe they're working in concert, and, and the jetpack rocket pack is more for thrust and speed than anything else, that there is some secondary guidance system. How's that? I'm speaking your language now. So <laughs> I guess so. We could go with that. I mean, the fun, the fun thing is, you know, if I, if, if I say that so, I'll, many, many people will say that is the way it is. So I, I hesitate to nail that down. I, I'm positive there are actually some people in the 501st that could, or, or the Mandalorian Mercs that could actually solve this problem for you with actual rocket packs. I just wouldn't recommend being one of the testers before they get it right. So, You know, you, you bring up Killian, and I've, uh-huh. I, you know, I've heard you talk before about Killian and working with Killian and everything, and I always knew that you guys had this dynamic behind the scenes as you were working on these episodes and these designs and everything. And you've really grown accustomed to his personality. And I was really happy to see on the Blu-ray release for season four, it was just you guys sitting there watching clips of the shows and commenting on them. And, and I think that is as far as the curtain being pulled behind and, and, you know, being able to look behind the curtain and everything, 
that was really a slice of of life at Lucas Animation. I really saw you guys being yourselves, and I, I really felt like these are oh, the God. types of conversations these guys have every day, all the time. Oh, all the time. The, my favorite part of that was when we brought Gilroy back. You know, we we let him through the gates again, and. Um, <laughs> He, I asked him about the opening crawl, and he just read it off the screen. And I'm like, well, don't you have anything insightful to say? We could all read it off the screen. We didn't bring you all the way up here just to read what anyone could read. And But, I mean, that's just – you have to have fun like that. It's It's been – you know, a, a great group of people. I can't say enough about everybody that's worked on, on this series over the years to uh, – you know, just make it what it is. And they've really been the best part of it. I mean, we've had such a fun time doing it um, week after week and just, you know, making fun of ourselves in certain situations. And then that leads you to trying to figure out, well, but how do these things work? You know, and I I can't tell you the most challenging are the kids. The kids will ask you everything. (laughs) They'll want to know what every button on, you know, Cab Bane's gauntlets do or, you know, anything in between. And then once I answer it, I have to make sure I remember it, you know, five conventions from now, because that same kid will get back in line and ask me the same question. So <laughs> He's that testing it is consistency. a challenging universe to wield. That's for sure. That's great. And you're, you of course are going to be at uh, uh celebration, uh, Europe two this summer. I am I'm very excited. So uh, yeah, pre- excited. prep yourself for that one. You are going to get a lot of questions, sir. In German, probably. So that'll be a, an extra challenge. I know only a little bit of German, so we'll have to see. Now, the big shocker in the Death Watch Darth Maul arc, mm-hmm. to me at least, was okay. uh, the revelation that Bo Katan is Satine's sister. And okay, uh, so, yeah, according to Anna Graves, you have the entire Christ family tree worked out in your head. And uh, I sure do, yeah. So, um, is is that a story that's that could oh, be it's told an awesome down? Story. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, I can't tell you. You can't great. tell me. All right, how? <laughs> it's one of my favorite. No, yeah, it's. I haven't worked out in a very Game of Thrones kind of way how that whole situation works, and you know, it's one of these things that I write up and I send to Pablo Hidalgo. I'm like, what do you think of this? You know, how much of continuity would this be disrupting if we did this kind of thing? And you know, luckily, not a lot. So. Um, I just was very fascinated with how I wrapped it all up into how Mandalore became uh, pacifistic after their obviously warlike uh, beginnings and um, set this family into motion and, and, and to obviously be a major instigator of, of a lot of what went on and why was there this sister that you know evidently not even Obi-Wan was aware of and how could that be in the secrecies that would have been involved? And so it's, you know, it's something that I have um, that sits on my desktop (laughs) in a folder that's exciting. But when you go to create these characters, you know, you have to understand who they are and where they're from and what their histories are. Even if you then later decide to change things, at least it's a root and the root always, you know, remains relatively the same. So Bo-Katan being... Satine's sister was a really important thing because um, as we developed the story, I just I kept reading it and looking at it and saying, but I'm not understanding if Bogotan's motivation is purely political. I, I I wonder about that. I wonder about not just the legitimacy of that, but 
is that too convenient for her? And, and what if the politics change? I wanted her to have something that everybody could relate to, which is we all at one point or another get into an argument with our siblings. But at the end of the day, when things get very extreme, I think we all realize, wow, I've really gone too far here and this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And you admit to yourself sometimes when you've made a terrible mistake. And that's the way I always looked at Bo-Katan. I, I don't think it's talking out of turn to give a bit of what I believe is, is Bo-Katan's motivation, which is that she would have been a person that didn't really agree with her sister's pacifistic bend. Um, she believes in a lot of ways that Satine exploited certain situations and circumstances on Mandalore to to get that, um, to to become the Duchess of Mandalore. So, you know, you it's it's a sibling fight. It's jealousy. It's a rivalry of kinds. And for all intents and purposes, uh, Bo-Katan basically disappeared for a very long time out of the team's life uh, with only the whisper and rumor that she had possibly joined Death Watch. But Satine, of course, being the Duchess, wouldn't want that known widely because it would look bad for her rule. So it's something that's very much a secret and not known, in fact, until they really face one another in our show. So, you know, those are, that's kind of the broader things that you think of when you're coming up with all of this to make it all work. And you you put it through several different processes to see if it rings true. And you throw it at some people and say, hey, what do you think of this? And... um you know, it was added, uh, admittedly, pretty late in the game, but it was something that I was trying to keep pretty uh, secretive, um, just because kind of watching over the years about how certain information gets out, I wanted to make sure that that bit of information didn't get out, and uh, we even recorded the dialogue later and separately. So and I think, you know, I think it worked out pretty well. I think it gives you... Uh, a good amount of motivation for Bo-Katan to do what she does in the end. Oh, it was great. It was a clever and dramatic twist, and it really added a lot to that character. For me, I really thought Bo-Katan came alive in that story arc. And, uh, cool. and uh, thank, thankfully, uh, uh, you guys paid that kind of attention to it. And, and with you creating that sort of detailed backstory for your character, it's, it's truly in the tradition of Star Wars. George created the outline and backstory for everything with the original trilogy, and that gradually grew into the prequel trilogy years later, decades later. So... The best thing for Star Wars fans to do, in my opinion, is just be patient. It's <laughs> just be yeah, patient. It's, <laughs> it's just very, very difficult. You know, we want we want answers now, and we want everything now in the moment. You yeah, know, like this Luke is true. rushing off to uh, face Vader, so we have to be careful. Yeah, or like Anakin diving in head first to fight Dooku there before he was ready, and yeah, what happened to go. him? So, uh, and then, of course, the other big revelation at the end of that story arc was the showdown between master and former apprentice. Uh, Darth Maul um, battled with, uh, with uh, Darth Sidious. Uh, Sidious shocked him into submission and revealed to us viewers that he has other uses for Darth Maul. So at this point in time, I guess we can just safely assume that he's going to be put in the Zillow Beast file. <laughs> and we can be we can be left to speculate what those uses actually are. 
Oh, the poor Zillow beast. Yeah, I get that more often than not, too. It's I am a lot of things have just surprised me over the years with like what has landed with people from this series. And the Zillow beast is one of those. That I just I knew people would enjoy it, but I just didn't know they would connect with this monster in the way that they have is so many people and, and different types of people. What happened to the Zillow Beast? Are they ever going to clone him? Are they going to use him? It's like they're really worried about <laughs> the Zillow Beast. And, you know, so yeah, is, is Maul in that category? You know, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, it, it would have been a, a lot of effort to bring him back and then just eliminate him. <laughs> just you know, wipe them out. maybe yeah. that should have been Sidious's line. It would be a pity to have brought you back, only to kill you now. <laughs> I mean, that would, have, that would have hit the nose, hit the nail on the head, I suppose. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see uh, what evolves. Like you said, this is a situation where where patience is a virtue for all of us, and uh, you know. But I think at the end with Maul, I I saw a similar thing that I saw with Ahsoka, which was a lot of people really that might have said, wait, why are you bringing him back? Then when they saw kind of the whole situation and what it was amounting to, were saying, oh, no, wait, this was a really good thing. I really like this. And Maul is a, a more dimensional character now that we've, we added to the performance by Ray Park in a way that, you know, was exciting and, and really lent itself in a positive way. So, uh, Sam Whitware, you know, did a phenomenal job with it. And, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of that work. It made us create the greatest lightsaber battles that we had ever done, I think. And we challenged ourselves to to make those fights great. And, uh, you know, it, it. I think when you look at where we started with lightsaber battling and where we ended, then that, that Sidious fight, was just phenomenal. Mm. The speed and the animation, uh, just uh, it's it's a cumulative effort of many many years of work on Star Wars went into those fights, and it really showed on screen. Oh, it was it was brilliant. I, I'll match that up with any live action lightsaber duel we've seen previously. I, I really thought you guys just completely put your standards up on an all-time high for that particular episode and, and that animation. It was uh, it really took me in, and I felt like I was watching living, breathing actors doing their thing. Uh, Sam, of course, brilliant. All the actors you have had over the years working on the mm. show were incredible. Really? And uh, it, it, it's, we're running a little long on time, and Dave, I am so grateful to, to have this opportunity to talk to you about the fate of Ahsoka arc. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. The final arc of season five yeah. the, essentially the final arc of uh star wars the clone wars as we know it a, a fitting end um I, I believe we've always seen the series and these stories through the eyes of ahsoka i believe this story was told from her perspective even episodes she wasn't in um so i think it's it, it was a, a great conclusion and speaking of all the great actors we lost uh ian Abercrombie uh, mm-hmm. a little over a year ago and uh for a long time there had been a lot of speculation. Who is going to replace him on the Clone Wars? How can he be replaced? He did such a great job. And Tim Curry was brought on board to take over the role of Palpatine. And what qualities did Tim bring to the character that made him, in your opinion, the right choice for the role? Well, replacing him in Abercrombie was a very difficult thing. Um, he was such a great friend and such a great talent. And he really, 
you know, fundamentally understood, I think, what made a character like Palpatine tick. And I think that, you know, what, what, what people find is that a lot of people can mimic what they hear in a film. They have a template, they have a mode for talking, they have a way to do it. But it takes a different ability to then branch out and expand on that role and lend new lines and words and phrases to a character that we've never heard him say before. And that was really what I needed for what the character of Palpatine was going to experience in, in the episodes that he was in going forward. So, you know, I, what I thought that, that I got in Tim was someone that understood who the person Palpatine was and could lend their own voice to it in a way that continued the character that it wasn't, you know, is it an exact match? No, but I think it's the character. And that's what you look for is I need someone that can understand this character and play someone that's a very, you know, polite seeming and grandfatherly, but then also terribly malevolent and evil. And, and Tim did that just brilliantly. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liken it. It must've been what they felt when they had to replace Dumbledore in the Harry Potter film series. You know, you had to find someone that could, continue the role and and yet be their own version of the character. And I think that's what, at the end of the day, I was trying to do as well. I wasn't looking for someone to imitate, uh, you know, uh, Palpatine or, or, or Ian McDiarmid. I was looking for someone to just really own the role themselves. So I, I think it worked out really well and... Uh, you know, continued the legacy of the Ians, <laughs> as it were, uh, at the end of the Clone Wars there. It was such a great wrap-up having Ahsoka essentially make the choice on her own and determine her own fate. As Kenny Rogers said, you, you, you know when to hold him and know when to fold him. You know when to walk away and you know when to run. <laughs> and she <laughs> folded the cards and got the hell out of there. And knowing what we know about Order 66... She made the right decision from what we understand at this point. So uh, I'm going to take it back to the beginning. Going back to the Clone Wars 2008 theatrical debut, there was the implication that Anakin was given a Padawan for a specific reason or purpose. We were all stunned. What? Anakin has a Padawan? How could this be? And Anakin is a Padawan. He's Obi-Wan's Padawan. How could he have a Padawan? So what I'm wondering is, is that true? Was Ahsoka given to Anakin to be his apprentice for a specific reason? And was that accomplished? Well, Ultimately, the purpose behind it all was dealing with attachments, and it was to see if Anakin could learn to let go of someone that he cared very deeply about. So the Jedi know that part of this training and part of this understanding comes from the training of a Padawan and, and how you deal with training them and how you deal with them when they're under stress and under, you know, when they're fe- afraid or angry these are all important things for Jedi to deal with. And Anakin would have to deal with it. If he had a Padawan, we would see different stages of this throughout the series. One of the moments was after the Wookiee episode where she helps rescue Chewbacca. You know, you see Yoda watching the two of them walking off and they're very much walking off in a very balanced way that Anakin had to deal with the loss of Ahsoka and not being able to do anything about it and then realize, come to the conclusion that the reason that she survived was because of the way that 
he had taught her and that 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 would stick with her for the rest of her life, hopefully. So, you know, is that accomplished now in the end? Uh, I mean, I think we know because of Order 66, we can say that it was not. And, and there there might be several reasons for this. You know, did things transpire that ended up having Ahsoka leave too soon, uh, sooner than expected, possibly? She didn't become, after all, a Jedi Knight. Um, did... They, the Jedi misunderstand the depths to which Anakin had already overstepped this feeling of attachment. Did they understand that he was married to Padme? Probably not. I think they realize that he's fond of her, but I don't think that they guess the depths to which he's gone. And I think one of the things that I alluded to was that um, Ahsoka does know this and understands this about Anakin. And I think it, it helps in her decision actually to walk away. So I think for her, it becomes about what Barris says isn't really wrong. It's how she deals with it that's wrong. And so because experiences let her know that there's a certain truth to what Barris is saying, but she can't agree with her methods. Barris we had on as the other Padawan on the show really to see how Luminara a traditional Jedi trained to Padawan, which we saw in the episodes on Geonosis were very different. Mm-hmm. It was very different than the way Anakin trained Ahsoka. Um, that really comes to a head at the end of the Clone Wars series here where, you know, Barris and Ahsoka have definitely dealt with different methods of dealing with what they perceive to be corruption within their own order and disappointment at how the Clone Wars have gone and disappointment at how they feel their own leadership is compromised at the hands of the Senate or not. So, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to accept, but the Jedi at the end of the day in the Clone Wars era, I mean, you have to say it, they fail because they lose the war. Ultimately they, the deception of order 66 occurs and the chancellor uh, becomes victorious and is named emperor. So, I think finding a way for Ahsoka to somehow succeed at not being eliminated necessarily on, on uh, at that moment. And, and I guess we have, we haven't even hit that moment yet in time. So we have to wait and see, but um, you know, was it was a tricky challenge. And I think that we came up with a story um, written by Charles Murray that really addressed a lot of the big questions that we had in Revenge of the Sith. Well, what do people on, Coruscant think of the Jedi? What do they think of this war that's lingered on? You know, where does the Senate stand and how do people like Tarkin fit in and how much has their power grown? Uh, Do people agree with the war the whole time? The Chancellor says the Jedi tried to stage a coup on my life and and take over. Why do people believe that so readily in Revenge of the Sith? Well, when you start to plug in stories like this one with Ahsoka, you start to see how that, I think, becomes a lot more believable. Mm-hmm. to people uh, within the Republic. So it all, you know, it's about Anakin, it's about Ahsoka, but it's also about that time period and what the temperature of the populace was like on Coruscant and within the Republic that allowed the Emperor to take over. You know, Barris makes this big speech about her ideals and what she thinks is wrong with the Jedi Order, and yet the manipulator of the whole thing is actually standing there in the room and she doesn't see it. 
you know, Tarkin doesn't really care because he's just after his own power and his own power base. So, you know, it's, it, we, we could really, you know, and I, I'd be willing to come back and just talk for a, a whole show about Ahsoka and, and that arc in particular. It'd be great to get the swanker back for that one. Yeah. Um, you know, so he can ask some questions and, and I, I don't mind that. I mean, I think that Ahsoka as a character obviously was very, uh, important, uh, uh to me and, and be, she became very important to fans. So, and, and obviously, I don't know if you read Ashley's blog on stars.com, but she I and I talked quite a bit about this arc, um, before we went and did it. And, uh, she had a lot of questions that I had to answer for her to, portray this particular period of Ahsoka's life and I think that um, we really worked well together as an, an actress and director to, to make this a believable moment and her performance especially when she says I'm sorry Master I'm not coming back is, is just a, a fantastic delivery of that line so yeah, it was, it was just, just a great moment out. just a great moment Dave I mean you guys really connected with uh with uh, me as a longtime Star Wars fan, um, emotionally, uh, dramatically, um, it, it was those moments where you're just sitting there staring at the TV. You got your chin in your hands, and your, uh-huh. your, your elbows are on your knees, and you're sitting there just staring at the screen completely engulfed in what was happening because we had given so much support to this character for the past five years. Ahsoka, to me, is the little sister of Star Wars. You want to protect her. You want to see her grow and reach her full potential and it was it was really just one of those great moments in television that i don't think star wars fans clone wars fans will ever forget so uh congratulations on that and yes let's have you back maybe around the time when the blu-ray release for season five comes Ooh, out that'd be great. we can have you we can really get deep into to to these particular episodes we'll have swank on board he's got a bunch of crazy questions i'm sure and and our and our <laughs> listeners sure. our listeners have so many questions for you and i've taken up so much of your time um i have so many questions from our listeners they've pasted it up on our official facebook page and I, I'm going to ask one question from a listener, John Lindquist, to wrap it all up. John asks, if you had known that the show would only make it to five seasons, would you have done anything differently? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, because they're, the stories are what they are, and I, I think we wanted to tell them all and you know, I, I had a lot of ideas about it, having been in animated television and looking at the length of the show. And, you know, I was kind of wondering when I saw this big finale with Ahsoka, I thought, this is such a great ending. So in my mind, I was very much directing it as this, you know, looks like the end of it all. And and so I don't think that it was, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I would do anything differently. I think that we were just working and working hard and, and trying to make this show as great as it could be. And I always said, I mean, it's very consistent with what I've always said. It was just, I'll make this show until, you know, someone tells me to stop. And, you know, it's a very fun thing to say, but you do have to realize that one day someone would say it's, it's time to stop. And, you know, I think that it was a, it's a wonderful experience to get to tell these stories. And it's, it's you know, I think very graciously, I, I am so thankful for 
the opportunity that Lucasfilm gave me to, to tell these stories and to be the person helming it, um, that I very graciously say, all right, they would know best and it's time to stop. And I, I'm very happy with how it turned out. I mean, we got to the 100 episodes that George wanted to do. Uh, that happened. I think that all the goals that we set down for ourselves, we achieved, uh, not just story-wise, but visually, you know, and cinematically as we all grew as a group of artists and, and learned how to produce the series. So I, I think the saddest thing for us at Clone Wars was just that, you know, with the end of the series, it means that a lot of people, their their job was done and they're on to new and, and hopefully exciting things as well. But that's just because we all became such great friends and, and we really enjoy uh, the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, I wouldn't say we did, we, we, I would do anything differently. It was an awesome experience. It continues to be a great experience. And, um, I hope to apply everything that I've learned over the years here going forward to, uh, make new and exciting adventures for, uh, uh, people for years to come. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I said a lot of our listeners sent in questions, but when given the opportunity, a lot of people sent the response that was just no question, just be sure to tell Dave, thank you. And from, uh, you know, if, if I can, can be so bold as to say on behalf of the, the, the fan base for Star Wars, The Clone Wars, thanks to you, George Lucas, everyone at Lucasfilm, Tracy Kenobio, Lynn Hale, Megan Finnerty, Joel Aaron, Keith Kellogg, Kevin Kiner, Carrie Silver, uh, the, the entire crew at Lucasfilm Animation, Skywalker Sound, Lucasfilm PR, everyone, everyone, from research to animation to guys sitting like you sitting up on top calling the shots. We just really appreciate everything you've done for us for keeping Star Wars alive and vibrant and as a gateway into this new era of Star Wars where we're going to be seeing Episode 7 back up on the silver screen in just a matter of a few years. Uh, what has carried fandom? What has carried Star Wars forward? Star Wars The Clone Wars. And so thank you so much, Dave. Thank you also for just being a friend of ours and inviting us into your family as we consider you part of our family here. And we're going to consider you part of the family for years to come. Like I said, Clone Wars will live on. Uh, we, we are expecting bonus content. And let's face it, in this day and age, nothing goes away forever anymore. It's not like it <laughs> used to be. I remember being so heartbroken when the $6 million man got canceled back in the 70s. And I've just felt like it was gone forever. And Nowadays, with, with DVDs and, and film adaptations and reboots and everything, nothing goes away forever. And Star Wars The Clone Wars will live on as long as we're doing Rebel Force Radio and as long as we can still pop those discs in to enjoy these stories and pick them apart just as we did the, the <laughs> first time they aired. We're still going to have questions 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So we'll all be in the Star Wars so. old folks' home. <laughs> well, as Obi-Wan said, we'll be in the old folks' home, and we'll still be talking the wars. So thanks a lot, Dave. We'll have you back. We'll definitely have you back when Great. the bonus content finally gets released and uh, when we see more of those Blu-ray releases. Uh, we'll have you back, and maybe we'll have you back just to talk about Star Wars in general, not necessarily uh, Clone Wars. We can really just get into what makes you tick as a fan and what you're looking forward to in these upcoming films. Uh, well, that would the, be great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be a be while great. Time. And who knows? We might have to do a, 
a special uh, Stanley Cup edition uh, of Rebel Forces. Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> oh, oh, Swankle, love that. Um, but yeah. I'll tell you what, there's nobody in the world I would uh, want to go to an NHL game with more than you. So uh, it, it, It's not looking good tonight, man. My Penguins are already down 3 nothing. I saw uh, that. I saw that. So I'll let you get back to the game. You still, got, you still got a couple more periods to come back. Uh, Three-goal lead in the first period is hardly anything to uh, be worried about, especially with... Well, uh, not when Sidney Crosby's playing, but when he's out, it's, <laughs> right, it's well. problematic. It's problematic. <laughs> uh, you're, you're guys, you guys have uh, picked up a lot of uh, great players in the last couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Things have been yeah. busy over there in Pittsburgh, so uh, so we'll see. But, boy, that was nasty when uh, Crosby took that puck Oof. to the mouth and uh, he's spitting yeah. teeth out. <laughs> oh, jeez. So uh, know. you know he makes he makes millions and millions for doing what he does, and uh, he earned it that night. So, and uh, you know you should be getting paid millions and millions for what you do, Dave. Uh, like I said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well we're we're just you know we're we're just so happy that we we've, we've been able to get to know you and get to pick your brain week at, you know as we watch the show week after week and have all these questions. It's just been so great and different and refreshing to be able to go to the source and ask these questions. And uh, like I oh, said, something pleasure, something that humbles us and, and we've never taken for granted. And uh, and uh, we hope that's a relationship that will continue for years to come. More roundtables, more, uh, <laughs> more nitpicking, more analysis. Um, looking forward to seeing what Lucasfilm Animation has for Star Wars in the future. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, say hello to uh, Swank for me. You know, give him my best, and uh, yeah, we let's uh, we'll come back and and talk some more wars in the future. I look forward to it. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Dave. All right, man. Take care. You too. Hey, it's James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi Wan Kenobi, and I must tell you, the source for the Force is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. The Force is strong here, indeed. Well, I need my Rebel Radio. I wanna blow this thing and go. Yeah, now I want to watch some Star Wars. <laughs> Fantastic. We have the most talented listening audience in all of podcasting. Right, but why is it, why are you a trap and I'm on a plank? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, we're always in trouble, I think. <laughs> sure seems that way sometimes. Our backs are against the wall, but we're there fighting for That's the war. Right. Same as always. 
That was from Ben C. Foster, loyal Rebel Force Radio listener, Ben C. Foster. And it's off his new CD, Fandom Menace. Ben writes us, I wrote a Star Wars record, and on it is a song for your podcast. A record for the fans, by the fan. The name of the album is The Fandom Menace. Your show means so much to me. Thank you for everything you do. Well, thank you very much, Ben. And we want everyone to know that you can download not only that song, Rebel Force Radio, but the entire full album for free at thefandommenace.bandcamp.com. Fandom is with a F, F-A-N-D-O-M. Thefandommenace.bandcamp.com. We'll include a link up on our official Rebel Force Radio Facebook page. But Ben C. Foster, thank you so much. A labor of love, Ben says, and it comes through loud and clear. Great, great job. You know, there's one time on Bandcamp.com. It was coming. I knew that yeah, was coming. I had to. I had to. I downloaded this record. Yeah, FandomMenace.Bandcamp.com. Very cool stuff. So thank you very much, Ben. I'm happy to be on a plank. Uh, and Jimmy Mack, yes, is indeed a trap. Well, Swank Plank, Mac Trap. Eh, yeah, works. it works. It works for uh, me. What else are you going to rhyme with Swank? Huh? Bank? Crank, crank, crank. <laughs> spank. All right, all right, all right, all right. So let's talk about the Smuggler's Gambit contest. See, I am privy to some of the photos Jimmy Mack has been sharing with me about the entries that have come in so far, but we've got so many coming in that we've actually decided to extend the contest. Is that That's right, right, Jimmy? Yeah, the Smuggler's Gambit custom action figure contest is underway. Uh, we're doing this in conjunction with the Customs for the Kid blog at uh, customsforthekid.blogspot.com. And uh, you can find the information about this particular contest at the Smuggler's Gambit Facebook page. Contest has been extended through May 1st. It was originally supposed to close at April 1st, but we figured with spring break and everything that's going on and uh, the fact that we never announced what the prize pack was, that we'd extend it through May 1st. And we have received our first entries, as Jason was saying. Lots of great stuff. Like I said, you guys are a really talented audience, and uh, we're seeing some good artwork coming in. Can via- I just say that uh, some of the stuff that the, uh, that the listeners are providing and sending photos of is better than some of the stuff we're seeing rolling off the lines there at Hasbro? Can oh, absolutely. say that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all- so true. I have some custom action figures in my collection that listeners have made, or even, God forbid, I've made myself, and they're among my favorite all-time collectibles. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a great hobby. It really is. And um, so we are awarding for um, the best Smuggler's Gambit custom action figure, judges Jason, myself, writer-director Kyle Newman, writer F.J. DeSanto, actor Han Solo himself, David Collins, and Smuggler's artist Paul Bateman were the judges. Mm. Somehow, I, I get the feeling Sam Witwer is going to get involved in this somehow. I have a feeling of that, too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, of course, Sam played uh, the great character Ro Carada at Smuggler's Gambit as we performed it live at Star Wars Celebration 6 last summer. The prize pack. This is what everyone's been waiting for. We have assembled this great prize pack, including one autographed 501st trading card from James Arnold Taylor, one autographed 8x10 of Clone Wars actress Anna Graves, the Duchess Satine, one autographed 8x10 of Clone Wars actress the lovely... Aura Singh, Jamie King, 
Ara King. And Aloha King these days. Oh, yeah. They, they've been enjoying the uh, Hawaiian Islands. So oh. uh, mahalo to them. Um, <laughs> I just thank them. I, th- I, th- I thank them for the, you know, uh, donating a great autograph 8x10 for this awesome Absolutely. prize pack. Plus, you get an autographed DVD of The Force Within Us, the recently released Force Within Us documentary featuring people who work on Star Wars, uh, work around Star Wars, guys like artist Dave Dorman and myself. Um, and uh, you're going to get a couple of Sony PlayStation games. You have to be determined, but uh, entertaining nonetheless. So that's what's happening with the prize pack. You want to get those photos of your that's a lot of stuff i mean that's that is that's one heck of a jump start for your autograph collection throw those up on a wall absolutely absolutely so this is great you guys are being super creative and we're loving what we're seeing so far get those entries into us take the photos of those action figures send it to us show at rebelforceradio.com that's the place to send anything that you need for us to pay attention to. So uh, please do that. And uh, can't wait to see what everyone comes up with. We'll be making the announcement of the winner of the Smuggler's Gambit Custom Action Figure Contest the first week of May. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. I don't know, I'm kind of wishing that there was a line in a Star Wars movie that said, I have really bad news. <laughs> Well, I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, right. I got a bad feeling about this, indeed. Well, the news broke today that LucasArts is no more. That's right. Actually, Jimmy Mack, you're the one that broke the news. You uh, were ahead of everybody on this one. I believe you tweeted, or was this on Facebook? I think on Facebook. Uh, It was a a double play. Uh, Yeah, you hit hit both outlets. Saying bad I news. Friends, uh, I let our friends at Jedi News know as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like it was an avalanche after that. A uh, lot of people, a lot of very talented, talented, talented people at LucasArts lost their jobs today, and people started talking real fast. So uh, as soon as I was able to verify it with a few sources, I uh, I put the story up there, and it seemed like uh, there was a few of us who were on top of it, and uh, it, it all seemed to, to blow up at the same time. Um, very unfortunate. A, a long history, uh, great games being produced from LucasArts and some of the top talent in the industry worked there over the years. Um, it's all part of Disney's consolidation of Lucasfilm into uh, the Disney empire. And, um, you know, I got to say devouring more like it. <laughs> Absorbing, <laughs> absorbing. Um, yes, it seems like it. Now, now, in, in full disclosure, here I'm. Uh, those that have been listening to this program and our previous show know that I'm. I'm certainly not a a big gamer, so I haven't really followed you know Lucas Arts closely, other than you know just on the peripheral, knowing the the, the big titles that are out. And so this is a, a pretty significant uh, development for the video game industry in general, and we've actually got a real expert here on the line with us from IGN.com. Uh, we've got Mitch Dyer. Hello, Mitch. How you doing, gentlemen? Great. Nice to hear from you. Thanks Likewise. for joining us uh, on the program. Help us kind of understand what this means for Star Wars gaming. What does this mean for the future of immersing yourself in the Star Wars universe in the video game mode? 
Honestly, I think I think this is kind of a bad sign for Star Wars games, right? Because if you look at Disney's history in the gaming industry, it spent so much time acquiring a bunch of developers. It spent time acquiring just studios like BlackRock and Propaganda and Junction Point. And it had Chrome and it had Day One Studios and it had Pandemic and it had Free Radical working on games. And you had all these developers working on stuff for LucasArts. And those studios are either acquired by other developers because their stuff, their stuff failed, but other people saw the potential. Their games were canceled. Their studios were shut down. I mean, studios that are associated with, with LucasArts have kind of like this bad taint. They tend to get shut down. Bad things tend to happen to them. Hmm. Um, but now LucasArts, now LucasArts is, itself is Yeah, yeah. LucasArts bit. itself, it's, it's really, really unfortunate to see that studio go because a lot of people might have seen them as lazy because they didn't actually put out that many games. Um, but I always kind of looked at them as a, as a studio that took a lot of risks. They had their own stuff. Uh, like with Star Wars, we have 1313, which is like this big budget game that starred somebody who wasn't a Jedi. This, like, nobody wants to play a Star Wars game where you don't play as a Jedi, except that one, because it looks awesome. Right, right. Uh, well, of course, we'll never know. Exactly, right? That's, that's such a bummer, well, too. Is that true? Is that true? We'll never know? I mean, here's, here's where I'm wondering. Here's sure. where the gray area is with me. Now, we understand that a lot of people got laid off today. Mm-hmm. Has Lucasfilm been shut down? I'm, I'm sorry, LucasArts been shut down, or are some people being brought into Disney? Will it exist in some way, shape, or form outside of just being a trademark or a name? And will some of the projects they've been working on be potentially passed off to a third party who will then develop what needs to be developed? So uh, there's a lot in there. Let's break it all down. Uh, yeah, let me know well, if I skip over anything. What I'm asking is, yeah. you've come this far with 1313. Yeah. That's a big bummer, right? So we have thirteen thirteen, which was this game that LucasArts spent all this time pouring money and time into, um, and that game was still a ways out. Word on the street through the grapevine, I've heard that that game had like two years to go. That that, that game was not coming out anytime soon. So the official messaging from LucasArts is: okay, today we laid off one hundred and fifty people, which is the vast majority of the development staff. Now, what remains of LucasArts, LucasArts will remain as an entity in the industry. However, they won't be a developer, right? They're going to be this, this uh, licensing house where they're going to say, you as a third-party developer, whether you're at you know, Ubisoft or Volition or BioWare or whoever, you, are, you can work on Star Wars stuff. But we aren't going to actually do anything. Basically, they're just going to farm out their stuff to make a ton of money. And the official messaging from LucasArts right now is that stuff like 1313 and uh, First Assault, which is the first-person shooter that technically hasn't been announced, those games exist within LucasArts, and they've been on hold for a significant amount of time. Uh, development has t- now ceased on those games with the layoffs, and the official messaging is that, well, you know, maybe somebody we could license out those properties and somebody could pick up the pieces. Realistically, that's PR trying to put out the massive raging fire that is LucasArts is dead. And the odds of those titles getting picked up and completed outside of LucasArts is, like, astonishingly slim to the point that it's, it's bleak. Like, I would not hold my breath waiting for those games to exist. Well, I also think just from a, a pure common sense standpoint, knowing what we know about what Disney is, is doing in terms of laying the groundwork for the future of Star Wars, I just don't think, I never thought that 1313 actually fit what is becoming apparent as Disney's vision of what Star Wars is. I don't think that they uh, I don't think that they're buying into it. I don't think that that darker, more serious, grown-up tone is something that they're that they're considering. I think it's uh it's definitely that like that's a very great point. 
Uh, the other thing that I'm concerned about is that Lucas uh, Lucasfilm now under Disney seems to be looking forward. We're going to get episodes seven, eight, and nine, which presumably will take place after the the original trilogy, as opposed to all of the stuff that Lucas Arts has been working on recently, which is all uh, new trilogy stuff. It's all the Clone Wars. It's all focusing on the Clone Wars TV series universe. Like we had the the Republic Heroes game, which was okay. Um, and thirteen thirteen was again pre uh, original trilogy. Right, right. I, I, it's interesting. What if you, Mitch? What if you are sitting here listening to this and you're a subscriber to uh, the Old Republic? What it, What does it mean? Is this is this sort of the 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 death knell for for that as well? I mean, it, uh, well, the Old Republic has its own issues. The death knell for that was uh, that was wrong a long time ago. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if the the closing of LucasArts really will have an effect on that game, given that it's it is so heavily reliance on Bioware and EA, who uh, are the developer and publisher. LucasArts, I think, is only associated with that game in name. I don't really uh, think they had much say. So, so in, in a way, that was more of a – that's kind of a precursor or, or perhaps a, an example of what the future of LucasArts is in terms of it being a, you know, a clearinghouse for the, the license. Almost certainly, or almost a return to form, because LucasArts for a long time did license out the properties to third-party studios. Um, if you look at Battlefront, which was like one of the highest-selling Star Wars games of all time uh, before Old Republic came out, that was licensed out to Pandemic. And then after Pandemic had shuttered and had started working on other stuff like Mercenaries, uh, Free Radical actually picked up that series and was working on Battlefront 3 before it was canceled. So, yeah, I mean, we are definitely going to look – looking ahead, we're definitely going to see a lot more third-party input on those franchises uh, outside of LucasArts so, proper. Well, so that makes me ask you, Mitch, then why why is your outlook so grim on this, given the fact that, like you cited, uh, the Battlefront series was so popular and mm-hmm. happened without LucasArts developers, in-house developers working on it? So there are definitely two sides to this, right? The, 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 the silver linings future is that Disney finds the right developer and gives them the right amount of time to do the right project and gives them the big budget. But more likely what's going to happen is you're going to have them farm something out to the highest bidder, somebody who really wants to make a Star Wars game, um, whoever that developer is. And more likely, Disney's not going to give them the high budget and the flexible dev cycle that something like 1313 could have internally. They're not necessarily going to get the resources that Lucasfilm has to offer, like Skywalker Sound and this massive library of sound effects and uh, assets and things like that. Working internally, LucasArts was working next door to all these people. They could walk over to the Lucasfilm guys and the ILM guys and say, hey, like we have this awesome idea for 1313. What do you think? Whereas now that they're outsourcing it, if the third-party developer in Illinois is working on Star Wars, they're not going to have that access. Right. And Disney, being somebody who wants to make a lot of money off of Star Wars, which is a very lucrative product, is going to want uh, whatever game somebody's working on at a very specific time. They're going to have to ship at a certain specific date. Uh, and LucasArts was a lot more flexible. You know, it was, it was kind of funny because I remember when Force Unleashed 2 was coming out, that was at a time when... There was a lot of talk about, hey, we've got Lucas Animation, we've got Lucas Arts, right. and they're talking to each other, and isn't this wonderful? And then it didn't meet expectations. Um, sure. And then all of a sudden, th- the buzz with thirteen thirteen came about, and they're like, no, seriously, this time we're we're this serious. That that I mean, that's essentially what the line was: is yeah. no, we're really serious about integrating these two uh, divisions here. They're really going to start talking to each other, and uh, so it just seems like this, the the writing was on the wall. And that perhaps um, it was a, a ship without a sail, and yeah. whatever other <laughs> uh, cliche you want to throw in there, but that seems to be the case. So, 
Where do we go from here, Mitch? Let me ask you this. You're, you're very familiar with the, with the development cycle for games yeah. and that sort of thing. If we are to believe that we are going to get Episode 7 in 2015, do they need to be working on that game, that adaptation uh, at this point? Yeah, I mean, the average dev cycle for like a AAA big-budget release is usually about two years. Um, more is always better, of course. So if, if that's the case, like starting right now, licensing something out to somebody right now and giving them the proper time and budget to hit something would be great, especially because with the release of a film, uh, Disney's going to want to set a very hard date of like you know May 13th or whatever the, the mm-hmm. day is. They're mm-hmm. going to say, this is the date your game ships because our movie is out the following Friday. Right. And the more time you have to work on something, the better. So the sooner we can get somebody on whatever Star Wars tie-in game is next, because it's inevitably a tie-in, the, the better. The better right. off everyone will be. Everyone, all of us listening who uh, love to play Star Wars games are going to be way better off. The, fa- the harder Disney works to get somebody on something now. Mitch, how can people uh, get a hold of you, and how can they uh, find your articles? Uh, you can harass me on Twitter, at MitchyD. You can email me at mdyer at IGN.com, and IGN.com is where all my, uh, my nonsense words get typed. Perfect. Oh, well, stay in awesome. touch. You know, uh, We'd like to uh, invite you to be our video game correspondent, because you certainly know your stuff, <laughs> and you certainly have a passion for Star Wars. I would love that. I've had a lot of fun today. This is fun. I Thanks, like hanging man. out awesome. with you guys. Well, stay in touch, Mitch. All right. Thank you, Joe. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You Bye. All right, big thanks to uh, Mitch for joining us. Appreciate that. Um, now, here's the other story that uh, I think kind of has been overshadowed a bit by the news that the Clone Wars is, what was the word they used, Jim? Winding down. <laughs> They're winding down, winding wrapping down. up. Right, right. Oh. Canceling. <laughs> No, 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 don't say that. Uh, oh, no, no, you can't say <laughs> no, no, that. No, 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 you can't say that. Put the, put the PR spin on there. But uh, it's a very fast wind down in that by wind down we mean it's over. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently season five was the wind down. But also on the chopping block was detours. That was part of the official announcement that they felt with episode seven being the focus that it just didn't make sense. I think they said something about the timing of something like detours didn't quite make sense. And I have been wondering, well, where's Seth Green on this? Where's Seth Green on this? And apparently he's on uh, L.A. radio. That's right, Jason. He showed up on K-Rock in L.A. on the Kevin and Bean show. Very popular. uh, A bit of heritage radio out in the L.A. area. Great show. And and, uh, our loyal Rebel Force Radio listener, Keith, lets us know that earlier this week... Kevin and Bean had Seth Green in the studio for an interview and leave it to Seth to give us some juicy little tidbits about the shelved detour series and what could be in store for its future. When, when George created Detours, there was no plan to make 7, 8, and 9. So it had less to do with the sale of Disney and, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's uh, architecture for the company into the next 30 years. Um, and if you really think about Star Wars as a property that's lasted over 30 years, mm-hmm. the, the timing of certain presentations becomes critically important. Oh, I see. Um, and, you know, our show is a, a comedy, a situational comedy in the Star Wars universe invented by the creator of Star Wars. And so anything that he presents is going to be received in a specific way. And I'm sure Disney would have been thrilled to have, you know, our comedy Star Wars show on XD for the next three years until episode seven comes out. But if you think about it from a cultural standpoint, the way that kids receive that information, like the notion that Darth Vader is scary versus, you know, 
the robot chicken interpretation where Darth Vader is a, a middle management, bumbling boss who doesn't get a lot of respect and right. is constantly having to, you know, deal with the the anger management of his of his CEO boss. It, you know, that's just kind of misinformative. And so we've got almost forty episodes completely finished. Wow. Um, it's not like this show is just going to sit shelved forever, but it may be a couple of years before anybody sees it. Um, but I, but you have I, to wait until the next one comes out, the next movie? Maybe. I mean, I think it's timeless, which is the lucky thing. Like, we, we created a show that's very funny, and it fits into the Star Wars universe, but separate from canon. So, you know, I think it'll still work. It, it's, it's just people won't see it for a while. How weird to have 40 episodes of something just <laughs> sitting around. I know. It's really, <laughs> it's it really is, bizarre. It is a little strange. I don't think there's anything like that in the history of anything. <laughs> yeah, except the next three years of The Clone Wars, which sits on the shelf. Oh, that's right. And... Uh, what was it? Uh, several, maybe five seasons of the live action series that sits on the shelf. This sitting on the shelf is becoming quite a thing with uh, with Star Wars. It and is. It's going to become this entire like weird vault that one day is going to very crack. heavy shelf. Let me say, I, true. But but what separates Detours from the other two projects you speak of is the fact that they have forty episodes fully produced. That's two solid seasons. Of animated television. That's and, that's three, considering that most animated seasons are much shorter than a you know, okay, live Okay, all right. Action, well, I so. was basing it on the sure. uh, season five. That was 20 episodes. Right, which is a little longer than your typical animated series. All right. But, all right, yeah. right but I mean, wow, that's amazing. It's so, a lot of material. What has kept them from releasing it up to this point? That's my question. Why sit well, on 40 episodes? Get it out a, there. They don't have a home for it. They don't have a home for it. And And to be honest with you, I don't think that, quite frankly, I don't think that George ever really understood television. I think it's obvious from whether you look at Indiana Jones, the young, you know, the young indie series to to the Clone Wars, quite frankly. I mean, he was developing the Clone Wars before it had a at a home. They had I'm sure they had at least one season, maybe more than that in the can before they actually signed, inked the deal with uh, with Cartoon Network. And, you know, the whole thing about giving it over to a Warner Brothers property like that. I just think and, – and, and I don't feel like that really maybe the first couple of years you might have seen some pretty serious dedication. But outside of that, I don't think that Cartoon Network or Warners ever really uh, gave Clone Wars the support that it needed, quite honestly. So I, I just don't think that – I think George is a wonderful storyteller. I think he's made some fantastic movies. I think he's – a, a, a genius in many ways, but I don't think he knows a damn thing about TV. Well, that's a very interesting perspective to have there, Jason. And uh, back to Seth Green, I think he did a great job of articulating exactly why, logically, it would be wise to postpone releasing the Detours material when you're trying to rebuild the the mythos of Star Wars among a new generation of fans. And the first thing you're going to introduce them to is not the evil Dark Lord of the Sith that we know, love, and or fear. There, he's going to be a bumbling bureaucrat, a boss. And that's how he would have come off on all these oh, episodes. Oh, but you know what? That is, I'm sorry. But, I mean, that's pathetic. Because you've got years, you've got a decade or better of just pure balls to the wall Star Wars pop culture I mean come on Darth Vader has been gone around he's been 
doing battery commercials with the Energizer Bunny. He's done all kinds of crazy things. You can't completely wash that history away. Darth Vader belongs to pop culture. He belongs to uh, the masses in a way that you, you, you can't be precious. You can't reinvent it. You can't reboot Darth Vader no matter how hard Disney tries. And, and canceling or shelving detours isn't going to do it. I think Seth is putting a great face on. I think Seth got a nice payday and he got paid. He's, maybe, who knows? Maybe he's still getting paid uh, despite the fact that he's not actively working on the show. And really, who wants to see a show where you know you're only going to get 40 episodes? You know, so, I mean, it's not like they're going to go back into production with this thing. So to say, well, you know, we'll put it on in a couple of years after episode seven comes out. What? And they're just going to go back into production if it's popular. I guess maybe it's possible, but it seems highly unlikely. I'd be very surprised if we ever see it, to tell you the truth. I just think the nature of this project is awkward to be coming from the actual source of Star Wars. It's fine when Seth does parodies on Robot Chicken, but to bring it underneath the official umbrella and create a parody of something, a, a mythology that decades of time has been spent establishing, it just seems to be sort of undermining everything that Star Wars stands for. And I could see Disney taking that stance, and that's pretty much what Seth was saying there, and putting it aside for a while. Do I think it's going to become a viable on-the-air series? No, I don't. I think it's going to be a DVD release, and it's going to come, and it's going to go. Or it could be something that's released as online content. But for now, it's not going to be released at all. I don't anticipate us seeing it prior to Episode 7, if we see it at all. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think that... Um, it's unfortunate. We, Seth Green is a very passionate, very loyal Star Wars fan. And you're right, Jason. It's not that precious where it shouldn't be parodied. It's been parodied. I read Mad Magazine back in the of 70s. Of course. The films were coming out. I saw all the parodies, but now we're in this age of, maybe we're in an age of Star Wars parody. I mean, haven't I seen like Darth Vader all but dance with a, a grass skirt and a lay on at Disney World itself? Well, there you have it. So maybe there's a shift that's going to be coming to move away from these in-house parodies of their own material. There's always been outside source parodies of Star Wars, but it's... You're are you saying that the hyperspace hoopla is over? I'm just saying there might be an oversaturation of Star Wars parody in this day and age. In the year 2013, you can't turn on TV without hearing a Star Wars reference. We have a regular feature on this show called Star Wars and Pop Culture, which relies on that very fact. But let's face it. I take this stuff seriously. Okay, but Disney is the is 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 a tired of the parodies. But Disney is a major culprit here. Can I not buy a Darth Goofy action figure in the Disney store? Now all of a sudden they're worried about Darth Vader's perception. I see your point. I really see your point. A lot of this stuff is confusing and Very confusing. it's hard to figure out, but what we're dealing with here is a cultural reset of mm. Star Wars. Indeed. It's Reset. I'm not saying reboot. I'm not saying drastic stuff. I'm just saying that it's a reset. And as fans, we have to consider that. 
And we have to consider how flexible we want to be with that reset. And that's up to you. I can't make that determination for you, Jason, or anyone listening to the show. I know I love Star Wars. And I've heard a lot of talk about people saying they're going to boycott Episode 7 because they're not getting Star Wars 1313 or, you know. Oh, please. Those people be the first in line. Listen, everyone listening to the show is going to be there day one. And you know you will be. Of course we will be. Quit blowing smoke. Because that gets old, too. And as a fan community, it makes us look like a bunch of whiny babies. So we have to roll with the punches a little bit here, guys. And I'm down with doing that. I'm ready for new Star Wars. Think of the name Lawrence Kasdan being associated with upcoming Star Wars films. Think about spin-off films featuring characters like Darth Vader or Boba Fett or Han Solo. This stuff really excites me as a Star Wars fan right now. So what you're going to be witnessing on this show is me going through the reset. And I invite you to join me as I undertake that. Because there are times when it's going to be difficult and or confusing. That's cool. I can roll with that because I love Star Wars. And I'm going to be here through Episode 7 and beyond. So either we can just keep whining about the stuff that we thought we were going to get, or we can just stay focused on the stuff we know we're going to get. Well, I think the, the, the issue that I have is that, okay, I, I, I've worked in marketing and PR most of my adult life, so I, I get it and I can see through it, and I know when it's PR speak and when it's getting down and getting real. But the frustrating thing is that there are folks out there in positions of influence within the Star Wars community that don't have that filter, that they don't see through it. And they take something and they start running with it. And instead of the headline becoming detours, you know, shelved, it's detours to broadcast after episode seven. You know, they run with that. And the fact is they're not being honest with the fans. And the, well, they're I, just looking at it on surface level. Yeah, exactly. And a kind of a Pollyannish view. Yeah. And I think we have a situation where we've got a lot of what we have been investing in and looking forward to as fans for the last several years. It's all being shelved. And it began with the live action series. It's continuing with the cancellation of the Clone Wars. And look, don't kid yourself. It's nothing short of cancellation. The series has not wrapped up. We heard Dave, thank God. Uh, talking about him staying on and being involved in Lucasfilm Animation. We don't know what that means exactly. But Dave has been probably the greatest steward of the Star Wars uh, legacy since, I guess, George Lucas himself. Um, But nonetheless, it's still the show was canceled. Uh, Detours is being canceled before it even airs. So... To me, right now, it is a frustrating time for fans. But I think we need to be honest with each other. But as you rightly point out, Jim, there's also a lot to be excited about. And we have to keep it all in perspective. We can be disappointed and we can cry for a little bit of real, you know, realism here and just getting down and getting real. And at the same time, be optimistic about the things that we're excited about. Like Harrison Ford returning to Star Wars. Again, proving that Chicago is 
still the epicenter of all things Star Wars, despite all of the ups and downs. Yeah, we're running a little bit long, but uh, let's go ahead and run this story about Harrison Ford. He showed up at um, a big uh, charity function that was in conjunction with his new film, 42. By the way, can I just add, I just saw a commercial for this last night. True story. Saw the commercial for 42 last night. Oh, that looks like a nice movie. Had no idea Harrison Ford was in it. Why? He's not in the trailer. (laughs) At least the trailer that I saw. When's the last time you saw a Harrison Ford movie without him being in the trailer? Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, the size of his role, who knows? But uh, been hearing a good buzz about 42. So he was in uh, Chicago, and uh, Chicago is Harrison Ford's hometown. And he talked to WGN-TV's Dean Richards about returning to Star Wars. And Dean was kind enough to pass along the audio to us. So here it is on Rebel Force Radio. So is the old gang getting back together for sure for Star Wars now? There's so much written about this that nobody seems to know what's true and not. I think it's almost true. I think, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, uh, it's not in the bag yet, but I think it's happening. Well, there, there you go. Now, see, if that doesn't get the hairs on the back of your head standing up and get you excited to be a Star Wars fan again, I don't know what will. we got to play it again. So is the old gang getting back together for sure for Star Wars now? There's so much written about this that nobody seems to know what's true and not. I think it's almost true. I think, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, uh, it's not in the bag yet, but I think it's happening. Oh, yeah, baby. That's the voice of Han Solo himself, Harrison Ford, saying, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. And I love how Dean places the question by referring to the old gang. It just feels so right. It feels so good. It really so, does. So Harrison, you know, he's out there publicly. He's out there promoting 42. And MTV News was at a press junket where Harrison was in attendance. And they started asking him questions about returning to these iconic roles that he made famous in the past. Han Solo, Indiana Jones, and uh, Blade Runner's Decker. And, you know, Harrison, well, they run a remake every film I've ever been in. <laughs> but he does answer their question. And uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see the Cisco old man. Uh, the, the sequel to the Cisco kid, really. Right. Uh, the Cisco curmudgeon. I tell Callista, don't pick up the phone. <laughs> so here's Harrison Ford talking to MTV. Audiences, you know, they, they look at you as, as an icon. I mean, that's exactly how people look at you. They look at you as playing these heroes. And not one, not two, but three different heroic characters that you played, people want to bring back to the screen. Han Solo, Indiana Jones, and, and Deckard. Uh, of those three things which have been talked about in the last couple of years, which of those would you like to sort of see come to fruition the most quickly or the most easily? Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, it might be nice, depending on the circumstances, to revisit any one of those characters. Uh, what interests me uh, now is the opportunity to work at all <laughs> and to work in, uh, in ambitious projects. So I, I can't think that way. What I'm looking for is the next opportunity, the next uh, ambitious opportunity. And so uh, it doesn't matter whether it's one of those. If it is, great. If it's not, uh, that's fine, too. He just wants to work. Yeah. 
Right. So he just wants to, you know, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. That's what Harrison's saying. That's how he got 42. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I can be center field. Harrison right. Uh, but, you know, the MTV wasn't done with that. They had to bring up the past and the fact that Harrison oh, may boy. have somewhat criticized the dialogue in the Star Wars films and kind of made a mockery of it. And uh, where, where does Harrison stand on all that now? Well, I know that in, in past years you'd had some trepidations about returning to Han Solo in particular. Um, and I know Lucas's. Uh, dialogue was maybe an issue. Do you feel like now that other people are sort of taking that over, that 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 is, or is it a matter uh, that that's something that has alleviated those concerns, or is it a matter of just time and going? I'm ready to revisit him. No, no. I, I, you know, I, I might have said things in the past that uh, that result that were um, that were characterizations of how I felt at the time. That was then. This is now. There you go. Turn in the page. Turn that page, Harrison. He just wants to work. So, uh, right, right. That was then. This is now. And uh, you know what? As and look, people that have been listening to me and for the years know I have I have not held back my criticism of Harrison Ford as a curmudgeon. But uh, when you got the man himself, Han Solo, talking about putting the vest back on, putting the striped pants back on, um, you know what? I'm giving the guy a pass because he's yeah. Han Solo, for God's sake. He's he Indiana is. Jones. He's and Decker. When that, guy, when that guy reminded him of uh, statements he may or may have not made in the past about George Lucas's ability to write convincing dialogue, uh, Harrison sort of looked aside and kind of had that classic Han Solo, Indiana Jones, lopsided smile. <laughs> Still intact. <laughs> I saw Han Solo right then and there, and I said, give him the vest. Vest him up! Never enough time. Never enough oh. time. But we're back, so fear not. There's always next week. That's right. That's right. Next we have week. some great stuff we'll be talking about next week, including Dark Horse's new comic based on George Lucas's rough draft, The Star Wars. This ain't no April Fool's. This is true. And, uh, of course, a whole lot more what you come to expect from your source for the Force right here at Rebel Force Radio. Big, big thanks to Dave Filoni. And I, uh, on a personal note, I just want to say that I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to uh, be in on the interview. I, Dave Filoni is one of my all-time favorite guests here, and he was really the first big, big get that I remember getting here in the early days as the podcast was, uh, was getting started at the same time that The Clone Wars was getting started. And... Uh, to have kind of experienced this in our own way with Dave through the the roundtables over the last five years. It's just, um, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. And I wish him all the best. And I'm so pleased that we have not heard or seen the last of Dave Filoni when it comes to 
animated Star Wars. So, big thanks to Dave. If you'd like to email us here on the show, you can do so. Show at rebelforceradio.com. That's show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Don't forget that you can listen to a very special exclusive edition of Rebel Force Radio on the real radio. That's right, terrestrial radio in the greater Chicago area just about each and every week. WCKG, 1530 a.m. That's Sundays at 2 p.m. Central Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can download the WCKG app or you can listen live to the stream at www. 1530wckg.com Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's where you can hear all kinds of things like when Jimmy Mack scoops that LucasArts is closing. You'll be the first to know. you got to follow us at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mack Radio, or at Jason Swank. Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. That's our community. Those are our peeps. Talking about stories that you won't find anywhere else. It's a great mix of folks and a safe place to let your fan flag fly. Check it out. Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. How about iTunes? One of the best podcast directories out there. Good place to subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio. We need those reviews. Please. One request. Make them good. We've got um, the weekly Rebel Force Radio and also Clone Wars Declassified. Those are available, again, on iTunes. Also, if you're on the iOS or Android portable device, you can check out Stitcher. It's a really great podcatcher app. Jimmy Mack, that's his go-to for when he's on the road. And listening to podcasts, and he not only does this guy produce like sixty podcasts a week, but he's also listening to two, three times as many podcasts. Junkie, what are you on? You are, you are a junkie. And 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 just think, Jim, I was your gateway drug. Sad but true. <laughs> uh, also, you can check out RebelForceRadio.com, which redirects you over to ShotGlassDigital.com, which is where you can find all of our programming and many of the shows that Jimmy Mack produces. We also have another show over there called Bondcast for you James Bond fans from Russia with love. From Russia with love. Part one. That's my little Matt Monroe. (laughs) Ah, you're a beautiful girl. All right. That is available and more (laughs) at our the first part of our look back at From Rush with Love with our good buddy Jonathan Wilkins. You know him as the editor of Star Wars Insider, but he's also a mad James Bond fan and our co-host there on Bondcast. Snyder Marks Radio, the other side of Jimmy Mack, can be heard just about each and every week at SnyderMarksRadio.net. Also part of the vast shot glass digital empire. Jimmy Mack, what do you and Wendy have cooking for Snyder Marks this week? Well, it hasn't come out yet, but when it does, you're going to hear my story about my encounter with a neighborhood prowler. <laughs> Woo. All right. Can't wait. 
<laughs> Once again, that website for all the different shows that Jimmy Mac produces, and I'm on a couple of them, shotglassdigital.com. That's shotglassdigital.com. We're just getting started over there, so please, your feedback is appreciated. That's going to do it for us for this week here on Rebel Force Radio. Love you guys so much for Rebel Force Radio. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.